0: war the very word made the steward sick he had seen plenty of it in his life but this war was different it seemed as if the war raging outside the city walls was a spear aimed directly at his heart and soul it had not just taken the resources of the city he was supposed to lead it had not just taken from all those towns and cities in the surrounding lands no it had taken from him The sound of the large doors opening and footsteps approaching did nothing to pull him from his despair. Nothing and no one could remove it from him. Not even the war, the war that threatened his city. Virtuous men, a podcast devoted to sharing the lives of men of history, fiction, and today, and the virtues they personify. In this mini-pod season, we will explore the seven deadly sins, a man who personified each one, and the opposing virtue needed to defeat it. Welcome to Episode 7, The Sloth of Lord Denethor. A sin is an immoral behavior that one performs in direct opposition to virtue. For every good action, there is an evil action. For every virtue, there is a vice. Both forces work against one another in the hearts and minds of mankind for the benefit or destruction of humanity. Stories of history and fiction have clearly revealed the truth that while every man is capable of great virtue, so too is he capable of unspeakable evil. This duality was famously summarized in what is known as the Seven Deadly Sins, first listed by pope gregory i in the 6th century and then further developed by thomas aquinas in the 13th century the list highlights the key sins in human nature that ultimately lead to destruction and death this episode's sin is sloth sloth perhaps better known today as laziness or idleness is unique in that it is not defined by evil actions but rather by inaction a slothful man may well be aware the harm being done to his family friends, community, or country, yet will ultimately refuse to do what is needed to bring about change. A slothful man scoffs at hard work out of concern that the borders of his comfort zones will be violated. Because of his belief that he can do nothing to fix the problems around him, he allows fear and vice to be his masters. Perhaps most horribly of all, a slothful man refuses to offer his strength to a world that desperately needs it. One of literature's most striking examples of sloth is Lord Denethor, a character featured in J.R.R. R. Tolkien's epic masterwork, The Lord of the Rings. When he experiences a great loss, he becomes so overwhelmed with his own emotions that the city he leads grows more and more vulnerable to the greatest evil of the age. Numenor, the greatest civilization of men, had been gone for many years. It was so long ago that most in Middle-earth believed it to be nothing but a myth, but there were still traces of the noble bloodline in the race of men. the II was such a man. He was the 25th steward of Gondor, the greatest kingdom of men in all of Middle-earth. He dwelt in the massive city of Minas Tirith, overseeing its defenses and building up its army. During this time, a son was born to him. His name was Denethor. He displayed a great thirst for knowledge and spent his childhood studying ancient Numenor and the ways of the past. Denethor grew from boy to man, standing tall in stature and appearing as bold and noble as those of his once-great bloodline. But all was not well in Middle-earth, for another force was growing in the shadows. Sauron, the greatest evil of the age, had been gathering strength from his dwelling in the bleak wasteland of Mordor. Mount Doom, the volcano at the heart of Mordor, erupted so violently that the people in the outer reaches of Gondor fled to Minas Tirith for protection. At this time, a stranger appeared in Gondor to give Ethelion much-needed counsel. Though he traveled under an assumed name, it was soon revealed to be Aragorn, the rightful heir to the throne of Gondor he and Ecthelion became close, causing resentment to grow in Denethor's heart. Aragorn told Ecthelion that he could trust the mighty wizard Gandalf, which only incensed Denethor further. Denethor told his father that he believed Aragorn, as well as Gandalf, was really an enemy of Gondor and that his real goal was to supplant him. Despite these claims, Aragorn never challenged Ecthelion's authority. After destroying the Corsairs of Umbar, who were allies of Sauron, Aragorn left Gondor, much to Denethor's relief. Ecthelion eventually passed away, and Denethor assumed his place as the 26th steward of Gondor. The people respected him and looked up to him. Clothed in gray, black, and white, he ruled in splendor from the white tower atop the citadel, shining in the sun like a spike of burning silver. Though he had the duties of a king, He nonetheless took his seat at the steward's throne below the king's throne, indicating his lesser position. He wore no crown, but instead carried a white rod as his symbol of authority. He married Findulias of the land of Dol Amroth, and two years later she bore him two sons, Boromir and Faramir. Denethor loved his first son greatly and treated him with the honor of royalty. He disregarded Faramir, however, believing him to be less than Boromir in every way, Though the future looked bright, it was sadly not to be. Less than four years after his father's death, his beloved wife passed away. This caused Denethor's heart to grow sick with sorrow and he became silent, bitter, and withdrawn, even to the point of neglecting his duties. His idleness drove him to secretly use a palantir, one of the lost seeing stones, to probe the mind and actions of Sauron the Palantir were scattered all across Middle-earth, and Denethor saw far and wide. Though it was considered a truly dangerous endeavor to use a Palantir, Denethor did not care. Sauron, gaining knowledge of Denethor's use of the stone, attempted to use the Palantir to bend him to his will. Despite his grief and slothful idleness, Denethor's will remained strong, and he could not be broken by Sauron. Though he could not be corrupted directly, he still believed Gandalf and Aragorn were his enemies. Believing the Palantir could be used to help him grow stronger and wiser than both of them, he continually spied on their movements and made sure that they did not conspire to supplant him. He developed a mistrust of all other allies, carried a sword at all times, and seemed to only be interested in using the Seeing Stone. Sometime later, Sauron used his own palantir to finally manipulate the increasingly vulnerable Denethor. He sent visions of his ever-growing power in Mordor, leaving Denethor to believe that war was on the horizon. Even his son Faramir claimed to have dreams of the One Ring, the item that would give Sauron supremacy over Middle-earth. Denethor made Boromir a captain of Gondor and Faramir a captain of the surrounding lands. When word came that the One Ring had been found, he sent Boromir to claim it for Gondor. Boromir joined what became known as the Fellowship of the Ring, a small band sent on a quest to destroy the Ring in Mount Doom, the only place it could be unmade. Frodo Baggins, a humble hobbit from the Shire, was the one entrusted with the Ring. Also among the Fellowship were Aragorn and Gandalf, the two beings most despised by Boromir's father. Over time, Boromir became corrupted by the Ring, He came to no longer desire it for Gondor, but for himself alone. After failing to take it from Frodo by force, he was slain by a band of orcs. Frodo and his loyal friend Sam split from the Fellowship to go to Mordor with the Ring. Word finally reached Denethor that Boromir, his most beloved son, had fallen. His despair and anguish completely overwhelmed him. He fell further into his obsession with the Seeing Stone, continuing to see Sauron's evil might spreading across the land. He saw firsthand that the coming war was not aimed at Minas Tirith, but the whole of Middle-earth itself. Though Denethor grew more and more hopeless with each passing day, he nonetheless mustered whatever defenses he could for Gondor. He lit the Beacon Towers to alert Rohan, the other great kingdom of men, and their only possible aid. He also drafted any able-bodied man to the city and evacuated the women and children. All the while the Nazgûl, evil servants of Sauron, flew over Minas Tirith, watching their every move. Shortly after Boromir's death, Gandalf and Pippin Took, one of the other hobbits in the Fellowship, arrived at Minas Tirith. Denethor was initially filled with disdain, but he learned from Pippin the final moments of his son's death. Out of pity, Pippin swore allegiance to Denethor, which he accepted. While this took place, Faramir encountered Frodo and Sam in the outer reaches of the kingdom. After learning that they possessed the One Ring, Faramir finally saw the chance to not only claim it for Gondor, but to win his father's love. But when the hobbits told him about what it did to his brother, he understood that it could not be used to defend Gondor, and that it only had the power to destroy. He allowed them to continue to Mordor. After making his way to Osgiliath, the smaller neighboring city of Minas Tirith, the city became overrun by Sauron's superior forces. Barely escaping with his life, Faramir informed his disappointed father of the defeat. When he learned that he had let the hobbits go with the ring, he accused his son of condemning all of Gondor to certain death. Denethor foolishly sent him back to Osgiliath with a small force to retake the city. Faramir reluctantly accepted, knowing that the mission was suicide. Sauron's forces, led by the evil general the Witch-King, quickly eviscerated the force. Faramir himself retreated, but was shot through with a poisoned arrow before reaching the city. His body was retrieved, though he was mortally wounded. With the last ground resistance gone, the Witch-King plunged Minas Tirith into a brutal and terrifying siege. Denethor looked once again into the Palantir. He saw a vision of his son, believing him to be dead. He is shown a vision of Frodo in the hands of the enemy and the ring in Sauron's grasp. These false revelations drove Denethor completely mad. Abandon your posts, men! Convinced that Middle-earth was doomed, his bloodline destroyed, and all hope to be lost, he told everyone to abandon their posts. Gandalf was left to gather the troops and lead them himself. Having fully forsaken all duty, Denethor ordered a funeral pyre to be built. He laid Faramir on the dry wood and prepared to burn alongside him, wishing to die rather than to live through the invading horror. He took the white rod of the Stewards and broke it over his knee, casting the pieces into the flames. Pippin tried desperately to stop it, shouting that Faramir was not dead, Denethor cast him out and locked the door. Pippin quickly retrieved a Gondorian guard and Gandalf himself. After breaking down the door, Faramir was quickly rescued. Denethor, fully gone in madness, threw himself onto the flames. He clutched the palantir in his hands as his life burned away. After the funeral, the mighty army of Rohan arrived. Along with Aragorn's timely arrival with a deadly army of his own, Minas Tirith was saved. Sam and Frodo made it to the slopes of Mount Doom and destroyed the One Ring, saving their beloved world from complete destruction. Faramir was healed by Aragorn and claimed the title of Steward. Aragorn took his rightful place as the King of Gondor, ushering in the Fourth Age of Middle-earth an age of peace and restoration. Sadly, it was an age that Denethor did not survive to see, for his slothful idleness and despair inevitably defeated him. The healing virtue of sloth is diligence. Diligence is defined by acting accordingly in any given situation. Diligence does not waste time, but uses every moment wisely. A diligent man looks at whatever tasks lay before him and does not stop until each task is done. Most of all, a diligent man is not led by his emotions, but is instead driven by a desire to act. Had Denethor not succumbed to Sloth, he and many others would have lived to see his kingdom saved. Instead of overcoming his emotions to give his kingdom what it most needed, he idled in despair. Had he been diligent, he would have been immune from the corruption of his enemy's manipulation. Had he been diligent, he could have led his kingdom to victory. Had he been diligent, he would have seen the earth restored and lived his days in peace. In this present age, too many men spend their days and their lives in sloth. Too many men deprive this hurting world of their strength, either doubting they possess any or caring nothing for the world at all. In a time where the battle rages, we as men must rise up to fight, as men May we not idle. May we not obsess over our feelings. May we act. May we lead. May we be diligent. This episode of Virtuous Men was written and recorded by Scott Einig and edited by Jamie Adams. Tune in next Monday for another edition of Loose and Unscripted, where we discuss the making of our Seven Deadly Sins series.